Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. Season five of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc., whose purpose is to create a brighter future with bold representation from underrepresented youth so we can realize the full potential of every one of us. Scott Hallenbach is with us today. Scott's the CEO and executive director of USA Football. He's going to share his love for the game and why education and mental health awareness are part of his work. Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Damari from MS382K. Damari, why don't you tell us about yourself? All right, so I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I'm 13 years old. I go to Erasmus. It's like five different schools in a campus. I'm in eighth grade. I play football, of course. I'm on a team. I play tight end and middle linebacker. I'm from the Caribbean. I'm part American. I'm from Jamaica, and I'm from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And yeah, that's pretty much about me. Who are you interviewing today? Scott Hellenbeck. Let's get started. Take it away, Damari. Thanks for having me. Damari, great to meet you. Great to meet you too. All right. So first question, what sparked like your interest in football? So my dad actually played at the University of Michigan. And I guess just growing up and, you know, in the family, he's always loved football. You know, growing up watching sports with him, particularly again, back in the day, the Redskins. I've got an older sister and a younger brother. So my brother and I are about three years apart. We would always find ourselves in the backyard or the front yard, you know, playing sort of front yard football or, you know, for that matter, the street. And when the time came, I'm trying to remember probably... I don't know, third grade maybe, where the we found out about the local youth football league and my parents would take us over and all of a sudden there we are, we're learning youth football. And it was a great experience. Played again up through middle school and then on to high school. So they just learned to love the game uh, amongst other sports. I think that team sports are a really valuable experience for just about anybody to learn again how to work within a group and learn from each other and sacrifice when you have to and, you know, do what's necessary for the betterment of the team. As I reflect on my own career, my own life, as a kid, you don't necessarily, you hear those things from adults and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize when you get older, you're like, wow, that is really true. Those life lessons actually do apply and you start to realize as you get older. Right. What do you like most about football? What made you select that sport? So growing up, I really didn't like play a lot of sports. So like around nine or 10, I picked up football like around quarantine because there's like really nothing to do around the house. And like, as you know, as today, like Madden and stuff like that, I bought Madden and it was like really fun to play. And I wanted to like do that in real life. So around like 2021, I officially got on like a new team and yeah. That's great. I can tell you that we hear from so many kids as well as even coaches that a lot of them start with Madden. They sort of learn the game, play calling, formations, all kinds of things. So it's an amazing way to sort of engage people, inform people, and ultimately get them involved in the game. So that, that's really interesting. The other thing I would share with you, there's an organization 
they call it the Olympic movement. So the Olympics that I'm sure you're aware of. Every sport has what they call an international federation. And so we actually have one called the International Federation of American Football. And there's some 70 countries around the world. And Jamaica is one of the member countries. Yeah, They host what they call national teams. So if you've ever seen like uh, Team USA with USA Basketball or USA Swimming or USA Hockey or something like that, we are now doing that sort of thing. So it's the opportunity where you can actually represent your country and wear a USA across your chest and either in tackle or flag and youth and adult. So just some really interesting opportunities for the future, but just because of your background and, you know, I guess where your lineage is from and your family is from, uh, it's interesting that Jamaica and the Caribbean have a number of countries that actually are members of that international federation. Right. Right. Where are you from? So I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And grew up most of my life in Maryland, in the Kensington, Bethesda area of just probably about 15, 20 minutes outside D.C. in Maryland. So spent most of my life there, but I've actually moved all around in my schooling. I ended up going to college in New Hampshire, and then I worked in Massachusetts and Atlanta, Georgia, and Colorado Springs with the U.S. Olympic Committee and a variety of other things. So I moved all around the country. Had great opportunities to see a lot of the different parts of our wonderful country. That's really good. Have you ever played like football? Yes. So yeah, a little background, I guess, on my sports career. Let's see. I grew up playing multiple sports, probably like many kids. Definitely played football in youth football as well as high school. Played multiple sports, but happened to excel at basketball. So I actually played basketball in college. Carried on as a parent, I encouraged my kids to play multiple sports in addition to the importance of scholastic and other social opportunities, but really felt that it was a critical, well-rounded opportunity for development. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of kids playing multiple sports. So you said that you was like really good at basketball and you played basketball like in your college career, right? So why didn't you just like go pro or play basketball instead of playing football. Yeah, no, fair. I don't know if I said I was really good. <laughs> I did say I got to play. I was good enough to play basketball in college, but I wasn't necessarily good enough to make it to the NBA of a professional level. Um, but I would tell you that, you know, it was a really amazing experience uh, when you go off to college, you know, depending on which college you pick and how big they are and where they are and all these things. Um, it's what sports does is it gives you the opportunity to immediately meet other people and sort of shrink down however big that new university is or, or you know, that new community is and down to a select group of people that you know. So whether it's a football team, whether it's a basketball team, what have you, or some, you know, it could be your the band or theater or some other opportunity, but it's just a great way to build a network of people quickly. I found that to be extremely beneficial when I first went off to college and then, you know, still have lifelong friends from my college basketball teams, our coaches, you know, everything. So if you desire it and you get the opportunity to play at that level, I found it to be an incredible experience and a lot of fun. Do you still like basketball? I do. I tend to watch college basketball probably more than professional basketball now. I remember back probably being in, you know, middle school and high school. This is way back when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Dr. J were playing. I don't know if those names ring a bell, but um, it was super impressive back then. And, you know, Michael Jordan was coming onto the scene. And so I just, I loved it back then. I felt it was more about the teams themselves than it was about individual players. 
feels like today it's so much about individual players versus back then it was, you know, the Lakers versus the Celtics. And it was a battle between the two teams with some incredible players on each. I was a big time Philadelphia 76ers with Dr. J and Moses Malone. Those names may not ring a bell, but they were incredible back then. But I just loved it. It was all about the teams. And that's why I kind of like college. It's still today for the most part about, um, you know, pick a school, two, two universities battling out the rivalries. And I tend to like that, that team-based approach versus maybe individual players. That's also why I think I like maybe uh, football so much because it's always about the team first. Even again, it's the Patriots versus uh, the Colts and they're battling out, but it still is Tom Brady versus Manning, but it really is the teams. And so you get excited about the teams and get energized and support them and, and then obviously if a great player moves on, because it is it is a business and they have every right to do that, you still love the team. That's what I think is great. I know you're an Eagles fan, but who's your favorite in the NBA or just basketball at large? My favorite in the NBA currently is in between the Lakers or the Warriors or the Grizzlies. Technically the Grizzlies, yeah. Wow. And which players? Um, I have to assume LeBron. Hard not to pick LeBron. I don't really like LeBron like that. I like John Morant a lot. I like Stephen Curry. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. I like like, like a lot of them. But my favorite right now is John Morant. Yeah. He's a super impressive athlete and player. Yeah. Any, like, career-ending injuries? Like, why you stopped? Good question. So not necessarily. I guess I was very fortunate, certainly through, you know, youth and high school, but even in college, I fortunately had never had any significant injuries, you know, little minor bumps and bruises and things of that nature, but nothing serious. Ironically enough, I, when I got out of college and I was playing racquetball, I tore my meniscus in one knee and then later on actually when I'm working with this current job, the USA football, we did a team building competition and played flag football for my other meniscus in my other knee. So my worst injuries have been outside of the career of sports when I was, you know, growing up and playing in college. Oh, wow. Why is it important for coaches to be trained in mental health awareness? Yeah. So USA football now for 20 years probably the backbone of what we do is all about education. So we have actually certified over a million coaches in just the last 10 years. And that's relatively new to football. Uh, that's a that's a skill in and of itself to know how to communicate and work with 8 and 10 and 12 and 14 and 16 year olds. We take that very seriously. We take great pride in it. So we focus for a long time on what we call technical tactical. So teaching things that you're learning, I'm sure, you know, how do you block? How do you tackle? How do you you know, the formations and just different aspects of the game of football. But over the years, you've also learned that we need to add a lot of other what we call modules, such as we talk about nutrition for a young person. We talk about mental health. And really, mental health has always been a concern, but I think it's been elevated. We just recognize how important it is and we have to do our part. And we think we play a very important role in working with the leadership, the coaches particularly, and those football communities or leagues, and to try to make sure that they understand how do you identify mental health? How can you be a support system? Things like that are really important. So tell us a little bit about that football development model you created. Let's see, back in 2012, 
you know, USA football created something called the heads of football program. And that was again, largely focused on better teaching, tackling and blocking. So contacts and how do you reduce contacts? So practice plans and reduction in contacts and practices, a lot of things that we worked with the NFL on and other leaders in, in football and the medical community. And then that evolved into about the, probably about the same time you started falling over football, 2019, 2020, USA Football is a member of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. And so we were working with them as we're really pretty much all of the Olympic sports on how do we build out what is called long-term athlete development. And every other country really around the world has a different model than we do in the U.S. here. They have often a government-led sport ministry as well as their National Olympic Committee. And so they work together to create, you know, development plans for youth, sport development, youth development, child development, these sorts of things. And they do it in school systems as well as in different sporting academies. And so it's taken the U.S. a little while, but we've all worked together to say, how do we create our own version of that? The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee called the American Develop Model. And then each of the organizations like ours, they call governing bodies, uh, so U.S. lacrosse, U.S.A. hockey, U.S.A. swimming, et cetera, they've all adopted their version of that. So U.S. lacrosse calls it the lacrosse development model. We call it the football development model. So that's the background on it. And the importance of it and the reason we adopted it is, again, as, as popular as football is over its you know 100 years at the professional league and about 150 plus years at the collegiate level, it's always evolved, but it's, it's, it hasn't had a formalized development structure. So a young person just starting out knows how, and coaches know how to progress that athlete. So an example of that, what we did is said, particularly parents and moms, right? Or some are concerned about putting their kids in tackle football, which we understand and respect. Uh, So we said, well, let's look at the sport differently. Let's not just talk about tackle football or flag football. Let's talk about football at large and think about how can we help address those concerns So we created something called the football development model, which is based on a progression. And a parent can look at and say, maybe I'm not ready for my child or my child's not ready, boy or girl, to play tackle football. That's fine. So we have a non-contact starting point that progresses to limited contact that progresses to full contact. Think about it in terms of non-contact is flag. And a lot of the youth football leagues now are adopting flag five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. And then it can progress to what is called padded flag. But frankly, most at that point, call it 9, 10, or 11, progress to the contact side. And we then added two different development games in that level. We call it rookie tackle and senior tackle. So rookie tackle is what they call a small-sided game. So you take rather than a 100-yard traditional football field, we boiled it down to 40 yards by 35 yards. And it's either six, seven, or eight players on a side versus 11. And it's a great way for coaches and players to get exposed to the game and learn the positions in a controlled environment. So a lot of times in youth football, I don't know if you've experienced this, where some of the best teams and coaches get the fastest young person and they, you know, pitch them the ball and the running back just runs outside and runs, you know, runs to the house. This, since it's a smaller field, you have to cut back. So all the players stay involved in the play and in the game. Um, So it really teaches pretty much everyone at the same time. 
uh, high school coaches and top youth coaches have said to us, and the experience we've heard so far is rookie tackle is a really great first experience in tackle, first way to learn the game. And then again, if and when you're ready, you progress to 11-a-side, full-field, traditional tackle football, probably what you're playing, I imagine. And then obviously, if you from there, you can progress to high school if you want to continue to play in the sport. So the football development model has done a couple things for us. One, it addresses contacts in an innovative and appropriate way by picking different entry points. You may play flag football to start. You may not even play tackle. But when you get to tackle, you can start in a game type like rookie that uh, is just all about a smaller field, smaller spaces. So the contacts aren't as great, number one. And number two, we still are very strict about practice plans and you know how much time you have live contact and those sorts of things. So we're really still very focused on limiting contacts, but I think most importantly, teaching proper tackling, proper blocking techniques so kids are working their way so they become more and more experienced at it and are more comfortable, frankly, with it. So it's just taken a whole new approach to how we teach the sport overall and particularly going into contact. Right. So like two, three years ago, it was Halloween and I had a game that day. One time, like when I got tackled, I think I dislocated my wrist and my mom was like scared because like she doesn't know what else will happen and stuff like that. But I went back next year, right? And another season passed and then like it was off season and it was like the DeMar Hamlin situation, right? My mom was like totally like not about football anymore because of what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Because like I said, I play middle linebacker. My target is supposed to like intercept and tackle them she was scared like what if that would like actually happen to me you know what let me say something because that's important so first of all it's great that your mom clearly talks to you about these things and has you know has that open discussion because that's super important number one number two those are fair concerns interestingly enough our research shows especially at the youth level that the contacts and concussion related things are many fewer incidents there. It is things like a sprained ankle or bruises, scrapes, just soreness, sometimes twisted ankles, things like that is generally where the injuries are. The reality is, I mean, an injury can happen just about anywhere. That's why, again, we put a lot of emphasis on working with the coaching staffs, teaching the game properly, going through a lot of reps, at least without actual live contact to try to mitigate those kinds of contacts, but also those injuries and making people aware of it. And then look, the DeMar Hanlon situation was concerning for everybody. We talk about heat stroke and sudden cardiac arrest. So heat stroke, there's more concerns about heat stroke and managing heat. So what they call acclimation process when you first start playing, I'm sure you go through this. You don't start with any pads on. You just start getting used to practices and running around and sweating and you're getting your body acclimated to the heat, things like that in practice, and then slowly move towards maybe just helmets and then eventually shoulder pads and things of that nature. And then sudden cardiac is something that actually requires doctors to really understand. And so all of those things need to be addressed. But one of the most important things to have the AEDs available and make sure coaches are trained how to use them and people are trained how to use them, which is 
I mean, one of the most amazing things out of that incident with Demars, you probably know, and the whole medical staff was right there on top of it and did amazing things. But again, being proactive, understanding how to address these things, putting the right systems and resources in place to support uh, any child's development and certainly any sport. And then the other big one is they talk about emergency action plans. In this case, with the Buffalo Bills in that game, they had an emergency action plan and they followed the plan. And those are the kinds of things that we even teach youth football leagues across the country is have an emergency action plan, know where your AED is, know when to call 911 and things like that. Because again, unfortunately, incidents and accidents can happen, but it's how you deal with them that is most important and how quickly you deal with them. But also, I think as long as you feel like your coaches and your community understands how to address these things, you know, usually you're in a really good place. What is your favorite NFL team? So again, growing up in Maryland, D.C. area, I've always been, and I know the name has changed, but the Washington Redskins and the great era in the 80s and early 90s. Then moving here to Indianapolis, I've now been here going on 13 years and have fallen in love with the Colts, Indianapolis Colts. They're a great franchise. Their ownership and their team leadership have just always been really supportive of USA football and my role here in Indianapolis. So just a wonderful family-oriented professional franchise that loves the Indiana market and just a great group to support. In my role working so closely with the National Football League, we actually get to work with all 32 NFL clubs. So that's a huge opportunity for us. But again, I continue to root for the commanders today, but also the Colts. How about you? In spirit of that question, how about you? Your favorite Um, team? My favorite team is... The Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. So you're based in New York, but uh, you're an Eagles fan. Yeah. What do you um, love about them? I really like Jason Kelsey and uh, Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts is like my favorite football player right now. But That's yeah. terrific. He's a great role model. I think just so impressive what he did in college to, you know, obviously playing at Alabama at an incredibly high level, but then transitioning and going to Oklahoma and winning the Heisman Trophy. I mean, that's a heck of a story of dealing with adversity and and rising to the occasion and frankly, just making the most of just about any situation that, yeah, he's super impressive. Great role model for all of us. Who is your favorite NFL player or best NFL player of all time? Let's see. Boy, that's tough. My wife is from Massachusetts, and so they've been longstanding Patriots fans. And so hard not to appreciate the success of Tom Brady. Uh, So he's certainly up there in terms of just super impressive how he, again, talked about things like nutrition and taking care of your body and just being really disciplined and focused on things. He's done just a spectacular job through all of that and I think has proven that Sure, almost no matter what team he plays for, he is an, an incredible leader and an incredible player. Uh, he's certainly one that I just look up to and am super impressed by. Peyton Manning certainly is another being here in in, in Colts country. Let's see, uh, Mahomes, I mean, is another. Patrick Mahomes is super impressive. I'm only talking about quarterbacks. Travis Kelsey, another one that's super impressive. So I'm not sure I have a singular favorite player. Probably just more impressed by the players that that just have a real commitment to you know their position, their team, really work extremely hard to be the best they can be. I mean, you know what? I even put like Demar Hamlin in there. Like, what? How he managed through that whole situation? 
you know, people like that, that are all about the team, all about, you know, working incredibly hard to be the best they can be. It's never really about them. So it's not about ego and those things. It's about, you know, how can I be the best I can be to make sure that I can contribute to my team and, and make us all better. So those are the kind of attributes that I find incredibly impressive in players that at least I like to watch. How about you? What do you think? My favorite of all time probably has to go to, I mean, favorite wide receiver, probably Odell Beckham Jr. Another one, probably Randy Moss or Mm. Terrell Owens. But other than that, my favorite of all time, probably Tom Brady, yeah. Because Tom Brady and him being in like the NFL since like, what, like in the 90s or 2000? Yeah, long time ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's like insanely crazy. So yeah, my favorite is probably Tom Brady as well. I've had the chance to meet Randy Moss and uh, he is just an incredibly impressive person. He's definitely one of those folks that is naturally gifted. I mean, he's just such an incredible athlete his entire career as a high school player and a collegiate player. And then of course in the NFL, he really committed himself to, you know, working really hard and being the best at his craft and his position. And and then he also was a great mentor. He would give back to a lot of other wide receivers and athletes credit him with just helping mentor them and help them become the best pros they can be. He's just a super guy. And he actually, he, one of the things he does, you obviously see him on ESPN and commentating, but um, he actually does a lot of training of athletes, high school athletes, college athletes, and then athletes that are going to the NFL and trying to get in the NFL for the NFL combine and such. So he's another one that just is super impressive and just a great person, a great leader, and is always trying to give back to the game. Yeah. This is my last question, right? Like, have you ever met like a star NFL player, like other than Randy Moss and stuff like that? Have you ever met like... What is his name again? He was the Patriots head coach when Tom Brady was around. Oh, Bill Belichick? Yeah. Have you ever met him? I've met him, yes. I don't. I wouldn't say I've had like extensive conversations, but we're fortunate enough to work very closely with the NFL League office. So I get a chance to talk to Roger Goodell, the commissioner, periodically, and a lot of the leadership at the league office get to work with some of the owners. We certainly get to interact with some of the players. I've had a chance to meet any number of NFL players, current and former, what they call NFL legends. So yeah, it's an exciting opportunity. What's great is you just, you always get the impression about just how much the game means to them and how thankful they are for the opportunities to have made it to the levels. And, you know, many of them just talk about ways, how can we give back? Because again, we focus a lot on youth football. And so they're often like, hey, how can we help just give back to the game, which is, I think, really wonderful. How about you? Have you had a chance to meet any of them? So my stepfather, he was like a coach for like the school that I currently go to. He used to coach like people like Curtis Samuel and stuff like that. So I used to like, you know, hang around Curtis Samuel a lot. And yeah, so. That's neat. Well, you're young, so you're going to have opportunities to meet people going forward. But I would just tell you that you've done a great job on this interview. And uh, it's a pleasure to meet you and really appreciate, you know, getting the chance to, to talk to you about these things. Pleasure to meet you too. Okay, so I think Damari's being modest. He skipped one of his questions. He was going to ask, 
How does it feel to be interviewed by a future NFL star? There you go. Uh, well, I mean, so then I can ultimately say that I've spent time talking to a future NFL star. I look forward to those days and I can remember back and tell my grandkids, he interviewed me and I, I knew at the time that he was going to be a future NFL star. That's terrific. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you for being on today. There's one question we ask all our guests at the end of the show. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your 13-year-old self? Uh, it's a great one. Wow. So... Definitely listen first, think carefully about, you know, whatever that subject matter is or that decision, that moment in life and those decisions, carefully think about the, you know, the pros and cons of it, and then have confidence in yourself and, you know, and proceed from there. So a lot of times at that age, you're certainly not as confident as maybe you should or could be. But often if you take the time to listen, think carefully, and then act to make an appropriate decision, it only builds your confidence. So I guess I would reflect on it that way. Thanks to both of you, and really appreciate you inviting me to be on the show. Same to you. Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gazdick. My co-host today was Damari from MS382K in Brooklyn. He was assisted by Kristen. She was assisted by Jasmine. Season 5 of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's, Inc., our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. This episode was produced by Tasha A.F. Lemley, post-production by Alex Brower, original music by Garrett Tiedemann, production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.